The Timberwolves are so bad. How bad are they? The Timberwolves are so bad, the term Minnesota nice is changing to Minnesota bad. The Timberwolves are so bad. How bad are they? The Timberwolves are so bad, their best player changed his name to Carl Anthony Township. The Timberwolves are so bad. How bad are they? The Timberwolves are so bad, they are a single released by Michael Jackson in 1987. The Timberwolves are so bad. How bad are they? The Timberwolves are so bad, the city of Seattle doesn't even want them. The Timberwolves are so bad. How bad are they? The Timberwolves are so bad, the coronavirus needs to get a Timberwolves vaccine. Welcome to episode 169 of Wolves Cast, the show that loves podcasting as much as Jaden McDaniels loves fouling. It's hosted by myself and my brother. I'm Neil. Scott, and did you hear that whistle? I think Jaden just got called. He got his first. He's already picked up his first one for the pod today. Yeah, he was just uh, you know going down to the lobby in the hotel and uh, you know got got whistled for uh, got whistled for a hold right there. I think he uh, touched touched the lobby button on the elevator a little too long, and that'll do it. Yep, and you know he's just uh, he spent a three second violation in the shower. Three seconds too long. You got to keep those showers short. It's good for the environment. Uh, he was just in there three seconds too long. Tweet, tweet. You know, now he's got two. That's how it goes. You got to be careful out here. And uh, hey, Jaden, I know it's uh, it's really fun and everything, but uh, if you could uh, if you could limit those, that would be uh, that'd be wonderful. But uh, hey, I understand it's it's a good time, and uh, it's hard to get away from all that fouling. If I had his arm length, his wingspan, if you will, I would be reaching all the time too. So you know, I, I have I have baby arms. I can't understand what the temptation must be like when you can, you know, stick your arms out and touch both walls in a room. Yeah, it's, it must be tempting, uh, you know, to use those tools when you have them uh, at your disposal like that. So uh, I guess we understand is what we're saying, Jaden. But uh, hopefully, you maybe can, it's the uh, be ink. Maybe because he got that tattoo, refs are like, oh, this is a tough guy. Now we got to whistle him. You know, whereas last year Ooh. he looked so innocent and baby with with his fresh skin, no ink on it, that they were like, oh, he wouldn't foul someone. He's a good boy. Good point. Yep. You just got to look at what's different year to year, and, and that's the reason. So, uh, yep, tattoos, that'll do it for you. But, uh, yeah, Jaden McDaniels, good times, fouls, and everything. We can, we can, make, we can make fun of Jaden, young Jaden fouling. It's all good. Um, he, he can handle it, but yeah, welcome to Wolves cast, everybody. We're back with another episode here for you and, um, tough times out here in Timberwolves land, Scott, it might be kind of a downbeat episode, but, uh, obviously in the way we like to do it, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, injecting some fun into the crushing sadness of the state of the Timberwolves right now. Yeah, we're all feeling bad things, but we're not going to ruminate in that sadness. We're going to, you know, push it down like we always do, you know, and and, and hope that it doesn't come out in some weird other ways in our lives, uh, you know, pushing all that that depression and anger and trauma down, down mm-hmm. deep. So, uh, yeah, we're on a six-game losing streak, and we've only played ten games, everyone. Ooh, that's tough. That's tough to start off that way. But yeah, today on the show we'll uh, we'll talk about the last week, the zero and three week. Um, we're also going to talk sort of a little bit, expand on that, and kind of you know uh, examine what it means in the larger context of 
Wolves losing over the years. Uh, we're going to talk about some new uh, content that's out there from uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves and from former Minnesota Timberwolves uh, with Carl Anthony Towns stepping into the podcast world and then uh, Kevin Garnett uh, being in GQ this week. And then, uh, as we like to do, as it, uh, hey, we, don't, we actually don't like to do this segment, but uh, right around, you know, the third, fourth week of the season, it's usually time to break out worried, not worried. So you have that to look forward to, as well as Weekly Wolfies and a wonderful game later in the episode. But we're starting off, Scott, with the week recap. Wolves lost three games this week, 0-3, as we said. As you said, six in a row. The streak is stretching on to six games in a row. They are 17th in defense, 25th on offense, net rating of 25th. Um, in the league, so yes, falling down the standings in many different kinds of ways, and it all started on Friday with a loss to the Clippers. Scott, uh, 84-104, first beatdown of the week. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, this would have been a more depressing game for me. I was coming home, I just saw the new Marvel movie, The Eternals, in theaters, and I was riding on a high from seeing that. So excited. I got home. I was like, I'm going to hit this replay of the Wolves game. Then I'm going to play the new Guardians of the Galaxy video game, which I've been really enjoying. Just a Marvel overdose right there for everyone listening. But <laughs> And so I watched this game, and it was a bummer, obviously, but it didn't even bring my mood down because it was late Friday night. The weekend was ahead of me. I didn't let it get me down. But this was like the game where I like stopped... Like my interest fell in the second half, or I just wasn't paying as close possession or close attention. Sometimes I have attention span issues, so when I'm watching a game, and that's why I've said watching it on replay usually takes me like three hours because I'm always missing a play. But then I'm like, I'm gonna rewind and see that play, or then I'll I'll miss it again. I'll be like, man, try and pay attention to the screen, Scott, and rewind it again. You know, it's that kind of thing. Uh, And this was one of those where I'm like, I think I just missed a minute of gameplay, and I'm like, I don't care. This is this is very uninspired from the Wolves. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I was uh, I was in attendance with a friend of the podcast, uh, Jeffy, and uh, we enjoyed ourselves. Uh, you know the uh, you know the Wolves played well in the first half, and then just totally were really bad in the second half. Couldn't get their offense together, but it was a fun game because they uh, broke out their city edition jerseys for the first time this season. Really good to see them in person. Biggest thing you kind of notice in person, though, is how dark the back of the jerseys are. And again, it kind of uh, works with that um, concept of, you know, old versus new or the, you know, the front of the jersey is the old blue. And then on the back is the sort of darker, more navy blue. So that's something that was a little more noticeable there. But, uh, yeah, fun time at Target Center despite uh, the loss, uh, you know, you know, getting that uh, 0-2 going to the Clippers. They face uh, the Clippers again as we record this this upcoming weekend. So maybe a little revenge uh, coming for the Wolves. Chuck the Condor will be in attendance for this. Ooh, uh, love Chuck. He's a very fun mascot. One of the newer mascots in the league right there. So that's a good one. And then the Wolves. He feels be- like uh, he feels a little bit like Poochie in the sense that like uh, from the Simpsons in the sense that he's like kind of overly manufactured. Like obviously some of these mascots like I don't know, maybe Clutch the Bear <laughs> or something. We're, we're not really designed in like a room with a bunch of people. Like I'm sure like for uh, Chuck or uh, Pierre the Pelican, they both had like, uh, you know, like focus groups and like you know hired advertising firms to help them get check out what names would be best and most appealing or whatever and like i'm sure it was this whole process by committee kind of thing so uh i just feel like in that way chuck kind of reminds me of poochie but i'm okay with poochie so i'm fine with chuck being that way 
Yeah. Um, all right. Wolves took it on the road to finish out this week. Um, I guess as far as this podcast is concerned, anyway, um, losing two games, one on Monday uh, in Memphis, one eighteen, one twenty five, and the second uh, Wednesday night in Golden State in San Francisco, one ten, one twenty three, and uh, these were two, um, you know, two more bummers of games, but. You know, both had their stretches where the Wolves, you know, played pretty well. And, uh, you know, at this point in the season, Memphis and Golden State are two very different, you know, classes. Uh, they're in very different tiers of the NBA. You know, Golden State, I think, you know, has the best record in the league. They're 10-1 and now. Um, they're playing great on both ends of the floor. Whereas Memphis, you know, still trying to figure it out, still trying to get healthy, still trying to put things together. You know, they're kind of more of a middling team. Um, so, but to lose both those games is tough, uh, especially when you're in the middle of a four game road trip, you've already lost the first two. So, um, yeah, these games pretty, pretty disappointing, especially that Memphis game when you're up 20, still find a way to lose in overtime, just a, just a wild game that <laughs> crazy towns like 35 footer descended to overtime, like a lot of things you could possibly talk about here with that game. But, um, yeah, two disappointing losses, uh, on the road. Yeah, I mean, I love watching John Morant, and he's quickly becoming a top five favorite oh, player yeah. of mine in the yep, league. Yep. If he isn't already, I just I, I worship at the Church of Ja, I believe, you know. Um, and also, I think this is becoming another Dylan Brooks situation, because which is funny because he also plays for the Grizz. Dylan Brooks being this kind of average or below average player who looks awesome every time he plays the Wolves. We're like, why aren't more people talking about Dylan Brooks? And then you look mm-hmm. up at his stats, and you're like, oh, he only goes off against the Wolves. I don't know if it's that kind of situation, but I remembered before. Uh, Rosas's first draft everyone we were at the 11 pick and everyone was saying oh I think Brandon Clark would be a good fit for the Wolves I think that you know in so many mock drafts like Brandon Clark going to the Wolves and then we traded up to get Culver and I have just watched Brandon Clark with admiration ever since like that guy is always braining it he's so good and I'm just like oh we could have had Brandon Clark and so that guy's going to torture me for the entire time he's in the league because I love that guy (laughs) yeah he smashed the Wolves and the boards and the offensive glass there at the end that's what he does he's a rebounding machine and alley-oop through uh, good defender so yeah Brandon Clark I also like uh, I feel like I, I don't know I didn't watch this one live so I was not on Twitter at the time but I feel like we didn't talk enough about the highlight where the ref hip checked the ball to Towns who passed it to Nas and Nas hit the three <laughs> like the ball was going to go out of bounds it bounced off the ref's hips right into Towns hands and Towns hit Nas for the three so I thought that was I mean I guess if everyone's going to be like oh you know if only Finch had did something at the end of the game then this wouldn't have been a three point to, to tie it would have been a three point to win but it's like yeah but if the ref didn't hip check the ball to Towns we <laughs> wouldn't have even tied the game I guess that's how bad the pass was it ricocheted off the referee like he didn't he didn't know where to go <laughs> like he, yep. he thought he was in a safe place where a pass would not hit him but it hit him so uh <laughs> it and i guess sometimes. you know we're not spending as much time on the week recaps this this season as we have in the past because sometimes the week recaps would turn into like half the show and uh, yeah. some people liked it and we don't care what people liked it or who didn't like it because we just do what we want to do <laughs> we're just like do we like it uh so um I just think that for the Golden State stuff, though, one, obviously, we got to talk about Andy, Andy Wiggins. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm not surprised about what happened because we know that a couple times a season, you'll get a big Wiggins game. 
And those times are always going to be against the Cavs, you know, or, uh, you know, Britt uh, tweeted about some, uh, there's a couple times this week where I'm like, I'm going to say something about this on the pod. And then I saw Britt tweeted about it. And I was like, oh man, we're same <laughs> wavelength, Unagi. Yeah. And so he said, he had a tweet that said, we used to talk about Wiggins revenge games all the time uh, for Cleveland, Toronto, LA, OKC. Uh, and now we're on that t- list now. We're a revenge game target for Wiggins. So at least Golden State fans can look forward to that because, you know, it, we Timberwolves fans understand how tantalizing it could be when you get that one good Wiggins game and you're like, oh, man, he scored 22 points and a half. Or like we saw him score 50 points in a game. And we're always just like, I can't wait. This is Wiggins turning a corner. And then five games later, he's back to, you know, his normal self. So I thought it was funny to be in on that side of it. You know, obviously, I I, I love Wiggins. I, I'm going to cheer for him. Uh wherever he's at but you know he did push off on town's back on that one dunk i felt like the refs could have called that one (laughs) yeah wiggins huge game revenge game that's what he does it's funny because yeah all the you today you're seeing like you know the golden state warriors people tweeting you know just like oh like you know the headlines are like how do we get this guy every night or you know where, where you know where does this come from and it's just like yep welcome Welcome to the Andrew Wiggins experience. You know, you just you get these amazing games, and and then you know, kind of like Ben said on the broadcast, you know, eighteen games go by, and you know that guy's not there anymore. So that's that's the unfortunate rub with Wiggins is he doesn't always want to play at this level, even though he probably totally can. Uh, but yeah, the, he he has his targets, and like you said, the Wolves are on that list now. It's never good when you know you miss shots. I love it. Uh, that's such a classic. And, uh, you know, Wiggins looked really healthy. I'm glad that vaccine's working out for him, you know. Yeah, <laughs> Whatever he thought was going to happen to his body, it, it did not. So good for him to not have, you know, 5G growing in his head or whatever he thinks was going to happen when he gets the vaccine. Yeah, really. Um, all right, that's it for week recap. Of course, let's keep talking about the losing. Here's the tip. You can't escape it, you know. We're talking about Timberwolves. You have to dive into the losing here, you guys. And uh, yeah, so we want to talk about specifically losing and how, you know, you know, how, how what it means in the larger context of being a Wolves fan and sort of when the Wolves start to lose, when these familiar times, um, you know, happen to the team, sort of what what it does to a Wolves fan, what sort of, uh, you know, feelings and memories are conjured in those moments. Uh, and this is something that, uh, you know, Britt Robson wrote about in this week's post, kind of inspiring us to talk about a little bit. And, uh, you know, the headline over there is the dread zone, how a history of failure continues to sabotage the Wolves. So I just thought that's like an interesting idea of like, you know, it's not even about necessarily, you know how bad this team is right now it's that they also have to like conquer this like larger history of losing and thought that'd be something interesting to talk about so so what do you what do you think about the piece and what do you think about that this idea of the history of the wolves failure like plays into how they're losing now uh, I, I always recommend everyone read Brit, and it's free now. Min post, you don't have to pay. You know, That's you right. can donate, but yeah. you don't have to pay like you do for the athletic. No paywall. Uh, so everyone, go check it out. Great to read his articles. Um, I thought it was interesting because I've thought something similar for many years, and I've been kind of thinking about it again, which is less about 
what his article ultimately focused on, but um, just about when you have such a history of incompetence, when your team has been as bad for as long as the Wolves have been, they've basically been a punching line for all but like eight years of their existence as a franchise. Um, Just how that makes it, it, the degree of difficulty is harder than if we were all just same players on Memphis or something like that, you know, because of the history of the franchise. And so here's a tweet. Brit had it said when team has been terrible a long time it is an impediment to overcome pressure is greater dread of fan base is palpable plus on point this Wolves team has raw ingredients to be building something enjoyable and tangible ingredient to overcome the legacy is MIA right now though and and so some of what his piece focused on is how it affects the players you know like Kat was saying like we're not playing to win we're playing not to lose and and I think that that's uh pretty clear and he kind of talks about the fear that you can see that some players have when uh, things start going poorly and how they want to save face so he kind of approached it more from the player's perspective and I've always thought about it from the perspective of like the Orlando Magic come into the Target Center and they suck and we think they're be- they're worse than us but they have no fear about the Target Center only good things have happened when they've gone to the Target Center like most teams associate Target Center with easy wins like oh that's that's going to be the game on the schedule where maybe I stay up and play in Call of Duty a little bit later the night before because it's just the Timberwolves the next day and I just think that like the name the Timberwolves the Target Center the whole franchise it does not have any kind of it doesn't strike fear in opponents but it's the exact opposite it inspires them or they're like oh this is just the Wolves they come in with more confidence they play better even if they're a worse team than us and so I think that there is something to the weight that failure carries and I I think that because we've been bad for so long, it's harder to be an average team than it would be as if the same players were in a different franchise. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I think for sure the fans feel it like, you know, I think I think in a lot of ways, mostly this is like a fan kind of felt kind of phenomenon here where, you know, because the fans are really the ones who have been here the longest, like even the longest tenured player or staff member or whatever like that probably hasn't been you know around that long i mean the longest ones maybe have but you know whereas like the fans you know other than like glenn taylor and jeff Munichy or something like you probably have been around as you know longer than most other people associated with the team so i feel like that is where yeah when 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 the wolves start uh you know having that look and when the the losing streak starts to roll like that's when we kind of get that PTSD. We get that, oh, we know this game. We've been here before. Deja vu a little bit of, you know, sort of the dread, you know, again, that word, the dread starts to seep in because you've been through it as a fan before. And uh, so I feel like that's like, that is very universal. That is very felt. That is very commonplace amongst Wolves fans of that kind of feeling if you follow this team for any any stretch of time at all. But the players, I think, is a really interesting part too. And I think you're totally right that Target Center is like a soft place to play. You know, they look at that on the schedule and it's like, oh, no big deal. Maybe they're bummed about coming here in the winter and having to pack that jacket or whatever. But uh, yeah, I, I think you're right that it doesn't have like a strong home court advantage and you know this can be a team that you can, you know, you might have some success against on the road, whereas in other teams uh, maybe you wouldn't. But I wonder how the players think of it because, I don't know, I feel like at some point there has to be a little bit of a logical element to this of like, it's not like this team is actually haunted, right? Like like, like actually haunted. Like it's fun to make jokes about all that kind of stuff, but also at the same time, it's like every new game is a new opportunity to like write this thing. I know it's hard if you're on the team. It must be really tough to be like Towns or whatever. 
But at the same time, like if you're like a rookie or a second year player or something, like what else do you know? You know what I mean? Like I don't feel like Edwards really knows any better about like the the, the history of the team and sort of you know and, and sort of feeling like oh here we go again. Like he doesn't know that yet. So I think it's interesting to talk about it as far as like the Wolves players and sort of like how they feel about this thing because I think it's true for the fans and definitely true for the opponents as well. But I, I think at some point these guys are pros and it might be sort of hard for them to buy into this idea of like a curse or something like that on the Timberwolves. But I don't know. What do you think about that? I mean, I'm not saying there's literally a ghost, but there is some kind of curse around this franchise in the sense that like, I mean, I guess we could all point fingers at Glenn because he's the one constant, you know. Or we, I mean, we could point fingers at Jeff Munke. He's been a constant too, longer than Glenn. No, but it's it's not his fault. Uh, so I guess the the thing could be like, I guess it has to be Glenn because we've changed GMs, we've changed coaches, we've changed the entire roster, and yet the results are always the same. So there is something, and I think maybe that goes to what I was speaking about. Like you could change, you know, the the wallpaper of the Timberwolves, or you can, you know, whatever saying you want to use, you can change things around. But other teams are still going to treat us like the Timberwolves, and to a lesser extent. I'm not going to get in my conspiracy bags, everyone, but to a lesser extent, you got to think it, it affects officiating too. Like, you know, we always yeah, say the refs point. screw the wolves. And part of that is because the refs know, well, if I'm going to screw a team, this one's not going to be angry about it. You know, like if I'm going to screw a team, let's do the one that has no fan base or has a fan base that's been so defeated and so taught over the years that they should only expect bad things happening to them, you know? And I'm not saying refs are thinking about this in the moment, like, hmm, should I blow this call against the, you know, but I do think that it's a subconscious thing where they're like, oh yeah, this is the shitty franchise. Let me go ahead and blow my whistle, you know, against them a little bit more often just because they have that reputation of being bad, you know? So I think it seeps into a lot of different things. And so even though Anthony Edwards, yeah, he doesn't feel the curse necessarily, but, uh, you know, that doesn't mean the opponents aren't playing hard or not afraid you know it doesn't make his opponents you know softer because they don't know that you know I'm still saying like the opponents and the refs and everything else still is working against this franchise even if uh you know Anthony Edwards doesn't realize that yet so is the way out of this to have like someone like Edwards like someone who's young and doesn't really understand you know all of these you know sort of cosmic issues like is that really the only way out because if like all this is to believe it's like well Towns has been here too long he knows about all this stuff he actually does feel the same dread that we feel because he's been through it for seven years or whatever it is like is he already like too far gone and now there's like the only way to get through this is to by having like a totally or maybe it's like a trade for someone who's like never been on the Wolves before and but even they like if they've been the league long enough they might know about it like we're saying so i don't know i'm just trying to think of like what's the way out like what's the fix for this i don't know either you know like if, if we knew we would have been talking about it before this has been not a new problem for the timberwolves necessarily i don't think the answer is bringing in new players because i mean that's something that's happened with the twins a lot where it's too right now the twins have the longest losing streak in playoff history the history of major league baseball and they've lost so many consecutive games it's been like 16 years since they won a game and they keep going they've had different teams you know entirely different rosters and they always say like yeah there's been a yankee curse in the past but none of these players were on the team the last time we lost to the yankees and then we go into the playoffs and we get swept by the yankees you know so that some of it sometimes it doesn't have to do with the players it's bigger than that and i don't know how to change that necessarily i'm guessing that's what i'm hoping can uh you know because like i said what's the one constant that we 
we kind of are defaulting to blaming because there's nothing else that hasn't stayed the same this whole time. Glenn Taylor. Um, so maybe my hope is that some new energy from Laurie and Rodriguez. I know people are worried about them because they're outsiders, but if they can, you know, if they're happy being here, I think they're going to bring a lot of energy and a different vibe to this franchise in lots of different ways that can maybe hopefully make this feel like a different franchise. Uh, because I'm not sure if the the players alone can do it unless we get, you know, that's the thing that I thought about when I was watching Golden State. I was, I was like, watching Golden Golden State, they have the big 75 in the middle of their center court, 75th anniversary. Um, but for their, most of their history, they were really bad. Um, I know yeah. back in the Philadelphia days, you know, they had Wilt, I believe, if I'm getting my facts straight. And obviously they won a championship, I think, back in like the 50s or – no, not the 50s. Maybe it was the early 70s. I don't know. Warriors fans get on me if, if I get that wrong. Obviously, you're not really listening to the pod, Warriors fans. Uh, but I was just thinking like, yeah, the 75 years is a long time. And they were bad for a lot of that. And I was thinking about Milwaukee who has had some peaks, you know, they, they won one back 50 years ago, 71, and they won one, you know, 2020, so 2021, excuse me. So uh, they've had their peaks, obviously, but for most of my lifetime, they've been pretty bad, or most of my NBA paying attention to lifetime. I know in the 90s, they had Ray Allen, ooh, you know, but, um, and the same with like the Raptors, they were never really great until they broke through. And the same with the Bucks weren't great until they broke through. And the Warriors weren't great until they broke through. And that requires, you know, getting some draft luck, finding a Steph Curry and a Giannis or something like that. You know, that's obviously going to be really key. And then you got to have the right personnel because, you know, shout out to all the coaching staff, like Steve Kerr and the coaching staff. You see them get so much more out of Wiggins, even though I think Wiggins is fundamentally the same player, just because they know how to operate a system. And I'm not sure if that's 100% of the credit goes to Steve Kerr or, you know, what distribution of that credit goes to the front office people, the assistant coaches, the whole framework, the player development coaches that they have going there. But it's shown that you could be bad for a really, really long time. And then in the course of just a couple of years, if you get all all the things falling in the right way, you could really turn it around and break out. And so I just got to hope that that's still possible for the Wolves because watching Golden State last night, I definitely thought about it when they saw that 75. I was like, wow, they were bad for a long time. And now, I mean, they've been the toast of the league for the past six or seven years. And you can't even imagine that franchise being associated with the kind of failure that the Wolves are being associated with. But that's kind of how Golden State was seen through the league, you know, 10 years ago. So, you know, hopefully there's a way out for us too. Just keep holding your breath, Wolves fans. No, don't hold your breath. Deep breaths, Wolves fans. Don't listen to Neil. We need you alive for whenever they come out of this. <laughs> He's hitting up. All right, something a little more positive now. We'll talk about Carl Anthony Towns and uh, he. Man of and, the people. Uh, his buddy Chucky have started a podcast and um, and uh, we listened to it, uh, or, or I, guess, I just listened to it. I didn't watch it. You can watch it. The only place you can get it is on YouTube.com, and uh, it is, uh, weirdly enough, not available on Carl Anthony Towns' YouTube page. You have to go to the Controlled Chaos podcast page. That's Controlled Chaos with a K, everybody. Um, and, yeah. First episode is out. You can go. You can go check it out. It's uh, Carl and Chucky talking, talking in the talking in like a little studio, you know. So we'll see where this goes. But we got to talk about because we're we are a podcast. Hello, and um, now the best player in the Wolves has his own podcast. So let's uh, let's let's talk about it, Scott. What do we like? What do we not like? Uh, what what were some of your um, you know impressions from the first episode of the Controlled Chaos podcast? 
Um, I found it really endearing because I felt like the energy was kind of similar to like the energy we created Wolf's Cast with, where it's just Chucky and Cat. We're talking about fighting a whole lot. Cat's uh, really into all kinds of fighting. Same with Chucky, like MMA, boxing. Were two big subjects on this first podcast, but uh, he says on the pod that any kind of fighting, from like you know street fighting on up, he, he's interested in. So apparently, that's like a big passion or hobby of his right now. And they talk about fighting the way you and I talk about the wolves, Neil, and so. I think it's great, you know, everyone's got to have that. I think it's funny, too, when you see, like, athletes or something, and it just speaks to the human nature of, like, for us, we're like, oh, yeah, you're an athlete, or, like, you're a hip-hop, you know, artist, or you're a movie star, and those people want to be other things, you know, like, they have other other passions or stuff. It's like, the joke was that athletes want to be uh, uh, rappers, and rappers want to be athletes or whatever, but uh, the kind of thing is like, yeah, Cat is like, in this world of basketball he's so good at it he's in the nba and like the thing he's really passionate about is like watching boxing you know so i, I find that very human and relatable and um i think it's great that cat's being open like this again i think that's another thing to you know he obviously i think before you know covid and the jimmy butler stuff and his, his mom dying and all of that i think that he was a lot more open like i thought him and chucky usually tried to do stuff like this they were always trying to you know build different avenues or different you know projects together and things like that and then cat really fell off the face of the map for two years or so and to see him back on twitch again i watch his twitch streams back on uh you know doing this podcast being so open to the public again i think that's a really good side for where he's at so i'm also uh enjoyed that aspect of the pod what did you think neil i'm playing with fucking passion that's what i play with i like uh i enjoyed it again I, I, that was a good point of uh yeah how how uh you know sort of rejuvenated carl seems he is in, in that kind of way and uh open to something like this it's funny it kind of a little behind the scenes like they talk a lot about chucky like kind of you know was the you know driving force behind this and you know carl was kind of questioning whether it was something he wanted to do but here they are doing it anyway and it was kind of just born out of you know, their conversations that they have, um, you know, like you said, about fighting and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, is, is controlled chaos a is that is that like a fighting term that I'm, I'm assuming it is because I don't understand um, that term like that. Uh, so, and like, again, like the whole like middle, like this thing is about an hour long and I would say like 35 minutes in the middle are like all about fighting. <laughs> like, honestly, I just like fast forwarded a lot of it because it was like about these like recent fights that have happened between these big boxers and stuff like that. And that's fine. I mean, again, that's, it is cool to like see like another side of, of, you know, a player or whatever, but you know, not necessarily my cup of tea, but it's interesting. Yeah. That it potentially is going to be a, you know, the central topic of this is going to be UFC, MMA, like boxing, like hand to hand combat and all this stuff. And, that's what these guys like. And, you know, a lot of NBA guys like that, they train in that, you know, with the, in that kind of realm, like in the offseason potentially and stuff like that. So um, not uncommon for sure. But uh, just yeah, interesting that it's not, um, you know, I think like most NBA guys, when they start podcasts, you know, it's about basketball or it's about talking to other players or it's mostly in the realm of the of the game that you're the pro at. So I think it's kind of a cool look to do something a little bit different and, you know, kind of have it not be about basketball at all, really. So I, I think that's cool. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you, you learn stuff like I, I agree. This is not like the most interesting podcast. Sometimes I'm doing something really boring. So I need a podcast to be really interesting to keep me engaged. 
And sometimes I just have a video game on that doesn't have a good soundtrack, so I throw on uh, some podcasts that kind of have do background listening. And this was definitely more of a background listening podcast for me because, yeah, like you said, I'm not like super into fighting or boxing or anything like that. But you know, just listening, you pick up on other stuff. Like Cat's uh, talking about how he's basically keto now. He it's uh, not a diet, yeah. it's a lifestyle. I think he said, and he's really uh, been keeping strict to that. You know, obviously we've seen his body change. He says he doesn't drink anymore. Um, and so like, I think the obvious joke is watching how he's played the season. Can we get some bread in him again, please? But, uh, you know, it's cool to learn that kind of stuff. And so you do pick up stuff about his personal life here and there. And, uh, you know, he has some questionable taste in fighters on Twitch. He said that he loves Conor McGregor, <laughs> which I do not, but, uh, you know, you know, be a fan of who you want to be a fan of, I guess. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that you can learn interesting tr- cat trivia, and that's kind of what I'm listening to it for. So um, if I glean anything, like I know in one of his uh, Twitch streams, he talked about how he was giving the entire team a book the next day uh, at practice. It was The Four Agreements, which is apparently a – here's the blurb on Goodreads. So the Four Agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz reveals the source of self-limiting beliefs that rob us of joy and create needless suffering – Based on ancient Toltec wisdom, the Four Agreements offer a powerful code of conduct that can rapidly transform our lives to a new experience of freedom, true happiness, and love. So it's like a self-help book. He bought copies for the entire team. So if you wanted to read what the Timberwolves are reading or what the Timberwolves have on their shelf or you know just floating around in their book bag for the next six months, you could read the Four Agreements. So like that's kind of the things that I like to do is like just kind of see this kind of picture into their lives that we don't get necessarily from you know just their very highly curated social media feeds these days yeah so we'll be uh monitoring that to uh yeah check in on uh on towns and uh see what he's up to and see if we can get some yeah some more behind the scenes stuff or yeah like you're saying just some some uh some cat trivia potentially for the future so yeah we'll uh link to uh the controlled chaos podcast and then uh towns is a twitch stream as well uh, in the show notes so you can go follow those and check out towns as he uh yeah streams himself doing various things on the internet go check it out yeah twitch is a fun way to get to know someone's personality just because live streaming it's usually a longer time and they're focused on something else i think people's true personality tends to show through a little bit more than we get from interviews or post-game press conferences and stuff like that totally all right let's move on talk about kg he's on fire all right kevin garnett's the best Timberwolf of all time. You know him. Hit me uh, with a big yeah. ticket drop. Give me a sound drop. I live in Minnesota. Shout to Soda. Y'all know what it is. We're coming. We're coming. There we go. A couple good KG ones right there. You got to love KG. And uh, there's a new GQ article that uh, also will be in show notes um, called Kevin Garnett is still breathing fire. It's a nice profile of KG. And um, really, it's a it's a it's a kind of a promo for a new Showtime documentary that's coming out, Scott, about KG called Anything is Possible. It comes out uh, on the day that this podcast is being released, Friday the 12th. Um, it's uh, going to be on Showtime. So um, if you get that uh, channel or maybe there's some way to get the you know on demand or like rental version of it, that's that's happening. So I don't know. That was not on my radar as like a thing that was coming soon. So that's kind of like the main reason that this exists. 
And, you know, beyond that, it kind of is a lot of the same stuff. If you read the KG A to Z book, which we did and reviewed it on this podcast last year, last spring, um, definitely highly recommend uh, that book. But if you've read that, uh, you can maybe skip this profile. There's not too much new stuff in here. It's kind of a, you know, a much shorter kind of like look at that same thing and a lot of the same kind of anecdotes and, and everything like that. But um yeah, definitely uh, enjoyable. Always, you know, Scott, we always got to, if, if KG says a thing or if he, there's a, p- a piece about him, we got to check it out, right? Like it's a, it's kind of like a, a must-see thing just because he's so, he's so flamboyant and he's so uh, outspoken, right? Like you just never know what's going to come out of a piece like this. Yeah, we're not doing this for Kevin Love. You know, I love Kevin Love. <laughs> Shouts to all the stuff he's been doing for promoting mental health awareness and, you know, that stuff. I, I love what Kevin Love's doing. But, uh, yeah, if, if a Kevin Love interview drops in GQ, I'm not rushing out to pick up the copy or anything like that. But give me lawn form quotes from Kevin Garnett any day of the week. I just love listening to that man, you know? <laughs> Yeah, totally. He's, um, you know, it's just, it's, uh, it's just, it's just great because you just never know what he's going to say. He speaks with such intensity and, you know, he's just a good storyteller and stuff. And that's honestly why, like, you know, the book and like this are cool, but like, you know, you, you would prefer to be able to see him or hear him because so much of it is the theatric way he, he explains things. And, you know, it's it, all these pieces talk about how, you know, amped up he gets and how, you know, he's jumping up and down and he's, you know, using his hands and his arms to, you know, gesture and stuff like that. Like it's, it's so much of like a show in a lot of ways that that's really what you love. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, there's a couple of interesting things in here. Um, you know, uh, he really, he, he enjoys frosted flakes. He, he, he's, uh, he is, um, disputing the idea that he, um, said something a few years ago to Carmelo Anthony about his wife and, uh, honey nut Cheerios. He defended that by saying, I'm, everyone knows I'm a frosted flakes guy. So that was interesting. Oh, what, a, what a perfect ally. <laughs> his, uh, favorite film is the romantic comedy serendipity, which I, uh, did not know. Apparently he uh, really loves that film. And then I guess there is a nice... I'm pretty sure that was not in his favorite films listed in his book, <laughs> which we reviewed. I wrote down his five favorite films from there. And right. I do not believe Serendipity was one of them. But you know what? Favorite movies, you could change that on a dime's notice. It's whatever you're really feeling at the time. So I'm not... Uh, here. Actually, wow. Neil, I, I had the notes in front of me. I just scrolled down. Oh, you found Number it. one favorite movie, Serendipity. So okay. his, top, his top five... Number one, Serendipity. Number two, Life. Number three, Harlem Nights. Number four, American Pie. And number five, Sherlock Holmes, the Robert Downey Jr. version. So ridiculous. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah, Serendipity on there. And then, yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, if you have time, you should check this out. It's not like a crazy long piece, but the the best part really is at the end where um, the the reporter tags along with KG when he's in, in Minnesota and they go to George Floyd Square and there's some, some nice anecdotes there and, and some nice things there so i would check that out um as well and then i'm just gonna i'm just gonna you know read my favorite uh paragraph uh from this piece kind of describing uh kg in 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 such a beautiful way um it goes like this garnett's personality is mythically impenetrable he can be hilarious serious unfiltered tight-lipped nonsensical and brilliant all in the same five minutes He's the center of countless rumors that would be brushed aside if they were about almost anyone else. His eccentricity allows just about anything that's whispered 
about him to, at the very least, be considered possible. His grapevine covers an entire football field, end quote. Um, and I think that was a really a really uh, great way to kind of talk about what we were just saying about like he you just if he's going to open his mouth, you want to listen. And and uh, yeah, sometimes you don't really know what he's saying. Like literally, you don't understand the words he's saying. And he's just like over the top sometimes. But like something about that is just like compelling in this different way. So really enjoyed that quote. And yeah, we'll be linking to this in the show notes and you can read what it. What I like about it is that. He's always very real, though, because sometimes when people yep. get a reputation for speaking a certain way, they keep doing it and it becomes kind of like an act or a brand right, to live right, up to. Right. But, you know, even though he says some really out there stuff and sometimes some kind of offensive stuff uh, that maybe he would take back if he thought about it twice, there's uh-huh. just a realness in what he says that permeates. And you can I think that's very uh, appealing. Yeah, absolutely. So go check that out, and uh, hope and maybe we'll get a review. Maybe we'll uh, review that documentary coming out here. Yeah, on one of these I got weeks. Showtime, Neil. You want to come over? All and right, watch I'll it? come over. We'll watch it. Anything is possible. Premiering on Showtime. And if, if you're signing up for a Showtime free trial to watch it, catch some episodes of Jesus and Miro while you're there. They're just there killing you go. it. Still there great you show. Go. All right. That's, that's why I have a subscription. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, great show. I can uh, co-sign that one. All right, that does it for Full Court Press. Uh, let's make some money. I am uh, I'm fond of the concept of money. Let's uh, let's get to our sponsor here, and uh, our sponsor today, is Daylight Savings Time. Twice a year here in this great state of Minnesota, we change our clocks in order to make better use of daylight. This highly controversial practice can tend to throw us off and alter our perspective of time. Well, today we'd like to shine some light on daylight savings time and some of its benefits that it can provide to you as a Minnesota Timberwolves fan. Do you ever get that sinking feeling before you turn on a Wolves game that you might be in for three hours of suffering? Daylight savings time is the perfect excuse to tune in an hour late and blame it on the time change. Are you the type of fan who's got a long list of excuses to explain away the problems of your favorite team? Well, go ahead and add daylight savings time to that document. You know how your sense of time is all funky after daylight savings time? The Timberwolves players feel it too, and it's a perfectly reasonable excuse for why they're bad. Do you suffer from depression? I mean, we probably all do. We're Wolves fans. Let seasonal affective disorder be your scapegoat. After all, the darkness of evening arrives an hour earlier thanks to daylight savings time. The putrid play of the Timberwolves seems a lot easier to deal with when compared to the suffocating despair of a cold winter's night. So remember, the wolves are bad, but daylight savings time is worse. The woes of a poorly constructed basketball team pales in comparison to this biannual time trickery. Thank you to Daylight Savings Time for its support. Up next, Worried, Not Worried. I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm really, really worried. I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm freaking out here. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I mean, why, why would I be worried? I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I'm not worried, are you? All right. It is a few weeks into the season, and unfortunately, Scott, another year. And another early season, uh, you know, stretch of troubling games. Um, so, you know, it's time to break out the old uh, favorite segments of this time where we have to figure out if we are worried or not worried about some of these topics here. And, uh, yeah, it's this is just this is just the perfect time, right? I mean, this is 
Uh, I don't know if we often even do this segment like more than like twice a year because all the bad things tend to happen right at the beginning and then you just kind of like ride out the like the the damage done throughout the rest of that time. So it really is the perfect time to do worry not worried. Yeah, and you know, the world at large how it is. You got enough things to be worried about. So what we're trying to do is take some of that stress off your plate to let you know, you know, whether you need to be worried about these things. Let us do that for you. Yeah, totally. So we got four topics here and we will discuss um, our level of worry uh, for each of these here. So we're going to start off with the with the just kind of overall roster and uh, how it's you know it doesn't really fit together very well. Um, you know we've mentioned a lot about the you know one way players and the lack of a you know quote unquote real power forward. Um, some of those things you know have led to the issues we've seen with the team here in the first ten games. So, Scott, you know, for the rest of the season, you know, worried or not worried about this uh, about this roster and the way it's constructed? Yeah, I'm absolutely worried. I thought, you know, the pieces would fit better together. You know, we're always such fools for preseason, aren't we? <laughs> even when we yeah. say in the moment, we're fools, you know, but yeah. even acknowledging it. But it just felt like, oh, yeah, especially in the first couple of games when we were playing literally the worst teams in the league. It was like, yeah, this whole like we, we got some guys who can play offense and not very good defense. And we got some guys who can't play offense at all, but can play defense. And maybe that can work. Maybe we could just, you know, know our roles and the sum will be greater than its parts. But uh, as we've seen, I mean, we can't even get J.O. on the floor sometimes. So Kogi's been getting some DNPs, uh, coach's decision. Uh, Vanderbilt has looked very stretched since that uh, good game in Milwaukee. Remember after Milwaukee, we're like, Jaden got 10 rebounds. Vanderbilt got 10 mm, rebounds. Yeah. Our rebounding problems are over. And then every game <laughs> since then, Vanderbilt's just been like a, more of a minus than he is a plus. And uh, we're talking about Jaden already this ish- this episode, about his foul troubles and, and stuff. So I think that – and also like – some of these times, I think, I mean, it's so obvious that Cat himself is struggling, which is so weird because he's always been kind of, no matter what happens to Cat, he's always brought that same level of production. And he seems lost at times. And I just think, like, maybe this roster, with him being the only big guy, and he's not even the biggest guy, isn't the best because Cat plus Nas plus J, uh, J, oh, no, not J, oh, J, uh, V8, Vando, mm-hmm. and Jaden, they're not, they're just not big enough. And so I think that, you know, maybe Cat, I don't know. I don't know if we need a real power for it or if we need a real center because it really hurts to see Cat just, you know, so we don't have anything to match up with some of these teams that have big guys. Yeah, it's hard not to be worried about this one. I mean, it's this is the issue of the season right now. And, um, yeah, there's just a myriad of, of, of issues going uh, about this roster and the way it fits together. And I think for me, I, it's, it's still a trip that they're better on defense, and that was something that – um, you know, that was something I was a little more worried about before was that, oh, you know, how, how well they would be able to defend. I, I never really thought too much about, you know, getting the right five guys on the floor to, to like score at a league average level. Like to, the fact that that's the issue. I mean, I guess that that makes me a little less worried that, you know, it seems like they have the personnel to turn this around, but 
uh, overall, I'm worried because it seems like the fit is really going to be in the way of this thing, uh, you know, to reaching its, uh, you know, peak at least. You know what I mean? Like, it's, the offense has to get a little bit better, but, you know, I, I, I don't know what the ceiling of that is for this year's team. So um, that's that's definitely a problem. And I guess I just had more, like you're saying, like fooling ourselves in the preseason or whatever. Like, I guess I just had more faith in Chris Finch to, you know, coming in as sort of a offensive-minded coach and as as uh, a, being able to you know get this group to find find the the you know the the, the patterns and find the subs and find the roster um, the you know the, just the rotation that would ultimately work and hey maybe that's still coming but at this point ten games in I'm pretty worried about it so the roster fit is uh, not ideal and uh, they're having a hard time kind of figuring out how to just get by with it, let alone like, you know, be above 500 or something. Like we're just talking about not being one of the worst teams in the league. I feel like the bar isn't really that high, you know, just to, you know, win 40% of your games or something like that is like asking a lot right now with this team. So uh, if it does get figured out, I think it's going to be a while, but uh, um, mark me down for worried on this one, Scott. Mark, making winning forty percent of your games would be a high mark for this franchise. We're the only yeah. franchise with a winning percentage under forty percent. I think uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks might still be there, uh, but they won two Super Bowls, so it doesn't really rain the same way. But yeah, as uh, Dane Moore likes to say, this is an incomplete team. I don't know why you you know he's like uh, people are expecting a lot from a team that wasn't you know built all the way. It's an incomplete build of a team, so like that's kind of his take on it. All right, Neil, sounds like we're both worried about that, but don't stress. Uh, maybe this next thing you will find more or less worrying. Uh, players giving up on the season, you know. it's uh, Right now, it's still been kind of impressive to see. I'm still not used to everyone pulling the rope on defense, and I think obviously we've gotten away from that a little bit compared to the first week or two, but there still seems to be that buy-in among the team. We're all trying to do the things that uh, run the sets the way they're supposed to be run, uh, you know, cover the man you're supposed to cover on defense and so I think that as a whole the team is still bought in uh to the what we're trying to do but if we continue if this losing streak goes from like six games to 12 games to 15 games even or something like that or if we win like two games in a 20 game stretch is the team going to start to become unglued maybe guys like Beasley start hunting for their own stats and uh you know Prince has already kind of dangerously gotten close to that Torian Prince had uh he hasn't played since uh, I think it was Memphis maybe or or it might have been the Clippers game, but he had the ball and there's open shooters and he was like, no, I'm not sure when I'm going to get the ball again. So I'm going to drive it right to the hoop into like all this traffic. And it was just terrible play call. And then Finch took him out. Cause so I already think like the me, me first attitude is already starting to infect uh Torian Prince. So I just wonder, you know, is this, are you worried that this slow start could get out of control and make uh, the lack, the rest of the team lose that buy-in? Yeah, I think it could happen, but I am at this point in time, you know, mid-November, only a six-game losing streak. I'm going to say not worried for the time being just because it's super, super early still. And, you know, again, it kind of goes back to our conversation about, you know, the dread and all that. And, you know, depending on how long you've been around the team or been on the team, you know, maybe you have a different level of that. But I think for the most part, these guys all understand that it's a super long season, um, you know, that will stretch into April for, you know, for every team, uh, you know, playoffs or not. So, 
you know, it's it's bad right now. They're in the middle of it. It doesn't seem like it's going to be turning upwards, you know, in the immediate future. But, you know, as long as it doesn't get to like kind of what you're saying, like 12 games or something, which totally is on the table. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think, you know, it's it's still too early in the season. I still think, you know, you got a lot of young players on here who, you know, it, it's just can can have a different prism of which to look at look at this situation through. And, uh, yeah, it's, there's too much riding for Cat, for D'Lo, for some of these other guys. There's too much riding on these games, even even if you're not necessarily getting wins. they got to go out there and play well. They have to turn things around, even if they're not like a playoff team or whatever. So, overall, I think it's going to be okay in that right now it's really bad. But as far as giving up on the season, I think it would take a lot more. And so, I think, like, that's something maybe for, like, January, February times if, like, really you're down in the dumps at that point. So, not not right now, but this one I can see coming over the horizon and switching to a worried if uh, if, it, if it lingers on. What about you? Yeah, I'm definitely worried about it just because I feel like, you know, we're – I mean, Kat talked about it a couple games back. He's like, yeah, we've lost three in a row, and I've seen how quickly that can become like 15, you know, <laughs> with this team. And I, I feel the same way. I think is, even if they don't, like I said, necessarily lose 15 in a row, if they – you lose two, uh, lose eighteen out of twenty or something like that. It also kind of feels that way. And I mean, the one thing I would say about it is I'm not so worried because a lot of these guys aren't up for their contracts right now, aren't fighting for their contracts. I mean, like I said, Torian Prince is fighting for a new deal, and Josh Okogi, you know, is going to be a restricted free agent, I believe, at the end of the season. So those yep. are the guys who might feel that pressure to go get buckets and make money and prove their worth. But the, most of the guys are got their money locked up, so hopefully that will keep them going for a little bit. But I like Chris Finch, and if guys start just gunning for their own numbers, I you think that, you know, Chris Finch might be hard to keep in the locker room, especially with new owners probably having an idea of who they want to bring in. You know, obviously Finch yep. is a Rosas guy who seems to have the trust of the organization, but uh, I guess I mean if if he can't keep his players playing, maybe that's an indication he should go. I don't know. I'm speaking out loud now. I am yep. worried. All right, there we go. Our next one here um, uh, coming up. I think uh, I think it's in uh, February. We got the trade deadline. A lot, uh, a lot of time between then and now, but uh, here coming up uh, more, more, uh, you know, coming up even sooner than that in uh, December is uh, kind of when the league opens up and uh, you know lots of other players become eligible to be traded. So the trade stuff is going to be picking up, trade rumors, all that kind of stuff is going to be picking up here pretty quick. So the question is, uh, are we worried or not worried about uh, such and Gupta? making a bad panic trade at the trade deadline or before that to try and right this ship, you know, maybe, you know, maybe pull a miracle so that he kind of has a leg up in the, you know, in the GM search that's, uh, you know, potentially coming here in the summer of 22. Um, so I don't know. I, what, what do you think about the idea of, you know, hey, this is not working, you know, maybe, maybe not like a Ben Simmons, you know, big blockbuster trade, but something something substantial that's, you know, you're moving a future pick maybe for some more help now or you're moving off of a young asset for for some more help now, something like that. Uh, um, or maybe you do think it's going to be the Simmons trade. And you're worried about that, too. But uh, worried, not worried about Gupta's bad panic trade, Scott. I'm not worried. 
Simmons would be the one that makes me worry the most, by the way. I do not <laughs> want that guy on the team right now. Uh, but no, I'm not worried because one, I don't think he he could really get much like who knows what the value is for any of these players except maybe like pat bev who i expect if we are still losing by the trade deadline we will trade him you know to get a team with a contender because any contender needs a, a guard who can defend like pat bev you know he's just fits anywhere so he's an expiring i can see that happening too. but i just feel like a lot of our guys are like you know would you trade Delo right now his value has probably never been lower you know and like Jaden mcdaniels was the guy who was in the ben simmons talk all summer twisting our hands Ooh, are we going to give up Jaden mcdaniels for ben simmons well Jaden mcdaniels looks like he might not even be a rotation player if he keeps playing the way he's been playing and so it's just like uh a lot of these guys their values are so low right now i don't even know what you could trade them for so i just feel like and and that's because their values are so low if they do get traded i'm not sure if we should be upset about it so uh, i think it'd be hard if he did do a panic trade to even know if it was good or bad um but i don't think he will it doesn't seem like that's been his mo um you know time will tell like i said maybe if this is a 15 game losing streak that pressure gets on but i'm just not worried about it are you uh not really either but more from a kind of um you know trying to you know maybe just play a little bit of armchair psychologist here and just sort of say i, I don't think it's in what goop i don't think it's in gupta's style to be that as aggressive maybe as his uh, predecessor or other people in the league so you know i don't know i, I as as i laid out when setting this question up i you know i i, I can understand it as, you know from a you know from the weird perspective you know from the weird situation that the team's in where you know they they have this this gm who's uh you know was who was second in command and you know his boss got fired so now you're in charge and there's going to be a search and stuff so that is a wild card in all of this but I don't think Gupta – I think he is more steady than that. I think he's more um, – you know, again, if there's a deal to be made and it's going to help the team, I think he might go for it. And, um, you know, to kind of push back on what you were saying, like I doubt it'll be like uh, necessarily rotation guys on the team and maybe it'll be more, you know, young talent or picks, you know, something like that, unfortunately, is maybe kind of more what I'm thinking. But, again, I think he's just a little too ahead of that and would I, – I, even though it would – benefit him to make a short-term move it also could backfire in a way and and kind of really have him on the outside looking in when it comes to you know even if he does even want this job um, next summer so uh, I could see him playing a little bit more safe so I'm gonna go not worried I'm gonna join you on that side of the fence uh, as far as Gupta goes all right, Neil. Well, I know you're worried about us running over time, so let's go ahead and do our final question of this edition of Worried Not Worried, and that is what we've been kind of uh, we've been kind of circling the drain on this topic because we knew it was coming up. And Worried Not Worried. That's right. We have a doc with an outline of what's going to happen in the in this uh, episode, so we might act like this is all off the top of the head. But no, we knew we were going to get to Jaden McDaniel's talk. So my question is, Jaden McDaniels, rocky year two. We've talked about the foul trouble. I think he's fouled out of like three of the last four games. And uh, it's just not really doing much on offense either. So my question is, Neil, are you worried about Jaden McDaniels? It's hard because he has, like you just said, he has looked like he might not even, you know, be able to stay on the floor and be in the rotation for you. But I am not worried about the year two, the sophomore year that Jaden is having so far. Um, You know, I think maybe what's happening is the expectations after last season just got so far out of whack. 
Um, then you have this whole summer league thing where he was the ball in his hand all this time. And he kind of really came out of nowhere last year and surprised everybody as a, you know, skinny first round into the first round pick or whatever. So I think it's more of a combination of him being way over his head last year and the, and the expectations being too high mixed in with him being a victim of this roster fit and being asked to guard starting fours in this league and like centers and stuff like He's just getting bashed out there. I mean, we'll make the jokes about how he likes to foul and all that, but I think he's a much cleaner defender than that, and he's just being asked to guard out of position right now. All these bigger dudes just putting their shoulders into him. Uh, the Wolves being bad in transition defense, um, leaving him behind plays and stuff like that. So I, I really think he's more of a victim of, of, of circumstance, given the roster, and then just – um, you know, expectations being out of whack from what this type of player can really scale up to and where the ceiling really is. So I think people just need to like lower their expectations overall on Jaden, and he's a much better player than what he's giving the team right now. It's just a matter of like it's really tough, especially with all starters too. It's not like some of the backups he got to go against last year. So it's tough because he's still really skinny and just like physically can't deal with a lot of these guys. But you know, in the medium term, you know, in the next couple of years, I think he's going to be right on track to you know being more of that super low usage three and d guy that we want him to be and obviously not this you know lead ball handler (laughs) brandon ingram type of scorer or something like that it's not going to happen in that kind of way so not worried about it what about you what do you think about uh young big mac you got g mac and you got big mac yeah i guess i'm worried about it in the sense that i think like you said maybe it's a function of expectations but i think that the ceiling on Jaden as a player might be lowering before my eyes because it just seems like you know I don't know. I mean, I do think that he's better on offense. He's so much more comfortable dribbling the ball and, you know, going to the rim and stuff like that than I saw last year. Maybe it's just like his shot's not falling right now, but whose shot is falling right now? League wide, three point shooting is down. Yeah, good point. Ball. Maybe not. Uh, but it's one of those things to keep in mind when it's just like, man, everyone on the Wolves can't hit a shot right now. And then it's like, oh, yeah, well, no one in the league can kind of hit a shot right now. So I don't know how much of this is on Jaden. And you're right. I should give him some rope here because NBA defense is like one of the hardest things to learn in the NBA for a young player. It's like that and being a young point guard are like the two hardest things to learn how to do. And so I think that the defense, uh, I think that because he seemed very advanced last year, we thought maybe like, oh yeah, we could skip some of those steps in the learning curve. Um, But we just got to remember that progress isn't linear with these young guys because, you know, I think what's one of the things he did so well last year was he wasn't you know, there are games where he'd get a couple blocks, but he wasn't really trying to, you know, get blocks and steals as much as he was just trying to stay in front of his man, make his man pass the ball. And I think he's getting in foul trouble this year because he's reaching more. He's trying to create more blocks and turnovers and stuff like that. And I think that maybe he's just, uh, maybe it's the expectations, the pressure he feels. He knows he's a defense guy. He needs to go out there and get those numbers, he feels like. I don't know. But um, I am worried that, you know, it's. I'm, I guess, I don't know, maybe in the long term I'm not worried, but I'm worried that this year might be, uh, we might not see much improvement from him this year. Yeah. All right, that does it. Let us know on Twitter uh, what you are worried about or not worried about. At WolvesCast on Twitter, hit us up, and uh, we'll chat about it a little bit more over there. But uh, up next on the show, we are going to give away our weekly Wolfies. Presenting your weekly wolfies. We have to uh, get these wards out there, Scott. 
they're piling up back here, and uh, we got to give them out to the winners. So uh, why don't you get us started here this week, Scott, and let us know uh, who wins your coveted Weekly Wolfie Award. All right, Neil, I'm going to keep it simple this week. You know, sometimes we have these Weekly Wolfies that are in-depth or, you know, kind of can, you know, need a lot of explanation. But I am going to give my Wolfie to Patrick Beverly for keeping the dream of Kevin Garnett alive. You know, (laughs) I saw him at the Grizzlies game. When somebody took a shot, you know, after the dead ball, he does the KG thing where he goes up and blocks it. Not, not, not in here. I'm sure if, if Grizz, the mascot, threw up the dead ball, even uh, he would block that. Maybe even during like the timeouts where he's dunking off a trampoline or something like Pat Bev is there thinking about blocking it. But I know I always joked, you know, you've got only so many jumps in your knees, so don't waste them. That's what people used to say about KG, like don't waste your your knee, the jumps that are in your knees on on after dead ball timeout like yeah. shots that players take. But I just it. love that Pat Bev is keeping that, uh, you know, keeping that tradition alive. And I uh, am a huge fan of that. So I, I find it very endearing, which is a word I've said a couple of times on this podcast. I'm just endeared by a lot of things this week, I guess. So my uh, award goes to Pat Bev for not letting anyone take free shots. Well, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think the main counter is that, yeah, it, it is. Yeah, you, sure. The jumps thing, all that. But like. It sends a message of uh, to your own team. I feel like more than anything else, of like this is how we compete. This is you know this is what's expected. Even after the whistle's blown, we're not giving up hoops. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's as much of like an intimidation thing in their team or like an fu. It's just more like it's setting the tone. And I feel like that's that's why you love Pat Beverly. It's why you want him on a team like this, especially with like young guys on it. You need to learn these things. So, uh, yeah, I'm with that. I really do enjoy that. And it's, uh, it's great when he's on your team <laughs> doing that kind of stuff. Good one there. Shout What's, out to what, Pat when, what, When's the next game he could try and block a mascot? Like uh, the Lakers don't have a mascot. Uh, we're playing. Yeah, I know. Clippers. Maybe Chuck Condor coming up here. Maybe Chuck the Condor. Hit. Maybe Slams in the Lion. I don't know. Yeah, his old friend Chuck right there, potentially. So we'll see about that. Um, All right, my weekly Wolfie is going out to a new offering from the Minnesota Timberwolves. This one surprised me. Uh, This is something they haven't really done before um, in this kind of way. It's a new ticket offering from the team. It's called the Full Court Pass. And uh, basically, uh, it's season tickets but without knowing where you're going to sit until a week before. So uh, you can get upper-level tickets for $20 a month or lower-level tickets for $135 a month for every home game from December until April. So, uh, yeah, you just buy a pass, and then um, you you pick lower-level, upper-level, and then uh, a week before each home game, you get a link, and uh, apparently then you just grab whatever seats are available i mean we'll see it'll probably be you know some pretty bad seats but uh um i locked mine in for that lower level thing because i go to i go to like maybe three or four games a month and i usually go either with scott or i go solo and i just get tickets off the you know secondary uh, timberwolves market or whatever and you know those are usually you know those are usually between 40 and 55 dollars or whatever to sit in the lower level so if you do the math, like, uh, and I kind of looked at my schedule to see how many more games I could go to, and I'm more flexible these days than in the past. So um, I went for it because, A, I don't mind going alone. It gets a little tricky if you want to get 
two of these because it's attached to your own um, account and you can't transfer them to somebody else. You can't resell these tickets. So there are some more rules on these, but it reminds me of, um, you know, the twins did a pass. Uh, they, first of all, they do like the standing room only tickets, which I think is great. And then in past years, I'm not sure if they did it this year, but they had like a uh, early season pass you could buy where it's like every game you get tickets to it or whatever. I'm not sure if that was... Was that was that a standing room only thing, Scott, or was that like uh, you get seats but you don't know where they are until a week ahead of time? How did how did that work when the Twins did something like this? I think it was standing room only. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, yeah, it's just a way to yeah have a monthly payment and uh, get lots of wolves, um, you know, potentially tickets there. And I think it just works for the team too because hey, they got to get more. The team's bad again. Got not that much excitement right now. They got to get uh, people in there, and I think having you know, if you're signing up for this like I am, you're like you're a dummy fan, so like you're going to be cheering and stuff. So I think it makes sense, you know, kind of cut your losses and uh, at least get a little bit of money, and then get some fans in there for those games, have some butts in those seats. So I really like they're uh, gonna they're gonna make up a lot of that money on parlor burgers. You're gonna buy, you know? <laughs> I know, yeah, that's the thing. Be careful not to spend too much money when I'm in the arena. But uh, love that parlor burger. But yeah, the full court pass. Check it out at the Timberwolves website. And uh, you know, I think maybe if someone else gets this, or like um, you know, it could be a thing where it's like, yeah, you don't get your seats together because it's just like one, 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 whatever. But you could probably find a way to move over and sit next to somebody or whatever. So uh, hit me up if you're at a game because that might be a lot more games this year full court pass check it out from the wolves are you suggesting some people who have seats don't sit in those seats and sit in different seats i would never i I misspoke sorry about that uh because that would shock me no it's illegal so you get kicked out uh you probably get banned like all the bad things in the world would happen to you if you if you were found out to be doing this kind of behavior can't have it um all right scott end of the podcast here it's game time what kind of game are we playing today Neil, we've already been playing. <laughs> yeah, the game of life, the game of, the game of worried, not worried. So many games. No, that's not quite what I meant. What happened, Neil, is I'm going to test your recall. This is a memory game. Oh, maybe it got a little that happened up. in the last hour. Yeah, and uh, maybe it was clear to listeners, especially if now once you hear this, you'll go back and listen to that. I forgot about the game for the middle part of the podcast, so I had to shovel some stuff in at the end there to catch up. But Neil, during this podcast, I mentioned the names of five different mascots. Can you remember which five mascots came up on this pod? Oh wow, so many, so many mascots. Um, let's see, you said five of them, huh? Yep. Okay, well, two, we had two of which I uh, shoveled into my weekly wolfie because I realized I hadn't said them yet. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, we had ch- we had uh, cr- we had um, we had Chuck the Condor. We That's had right. um, uh, do, we, do we have uh, uh, Rocky the Mountain Lion? Is that what no. you said? No, you said Slamson. That's right. You said Slamson. He's the king's mascot. Um, does Crunch count? Did you say Crunch? I did not say Crunch. Surprisingly, mm, I'm only remembering um, I'm only remembering Slamson and Condor. Um, I don't know um, any of the other ones you said, so no, I can only remember two of them. What were the other three? Well, I'll give you a hint. One of them I said Patrick Beverly would block his shot. Okay, well, I thought you were saying Chuck, but yeah, who was it? 
uh, Grizz, I mentioned at the Memphis ah, game. Ah, yep, Grizz, Grizz, Grizz. Grizz. Yep. And then when I was discussing Clutch, or excuse me, I just revealed one. Oh, Clutch, I, yep. Clutch yep. the Bear. Because I was talking about Chuck and, you know, how he was a newer mascot who was designed by focus groups in a way that Clutch probably wasn't. Can you name the other newish mascot I discussed as being also created by a focus group? Um, who was the other new one besides Chuck? Oh, um... Uh, the Pelican. What's the Pelican's name? I don't even know what his name is. The Pelicans? Pierre the Pelican is correct. Pierre the Pelican. There we go. Got it. Got it. Which, if you remember, the first version of him had to be eliminated because he was so scary. Too terrifying. And then the Pelicans also have the secondary mascot of the King Cake Baby, who is also oh. terrifying. So Love I feel like one, those ones though. maybe were not done in a focus group, and like uh, Pierre 2.0 is definitely like the focus group version of Pierre. King Baby, I feel like, was purposely scary, and uh, the you know Pierre was was a, was a mistake. Right. All right. Anything else from the game, or that's the game? The one one that's yep, the that's the game. That's All the game right. For this time, well, so. man, I love mascots too, but you know, I definitely heard you say a lot of those, but uh, you know, I couldn't couldn't recall it. So I guess I got to do a better job just in case the game actually, um, you know, the contents of the game happened earlier in the show. I, I guess my my recall, um, you know, failed me here today on, on the podcast, unfortunately. Yep, it happens though. Um, maybe now you'll remember to pay closer attention to what I say, you know, instead of just wait, waiting for your next chance to speak, Neil. Oh my gosh, yeah, totally waiting, waiting to get my next, you know, great point in. You know, one thing we didn't talk about, a couple things we didn't talk about that I just thought, you know, it's the end of the pod. Let's throw them in here real quick. One, yeah, do you think in. anybody was wearing D'Angelo Russell Warriors jerseys at the game last night? Oh wow, I mean. I I got to think that there was at least one, but I don't know who it would be because I, I, he played there for like 20 games or something, I think. and like Yeah, but a lot of times when you buy a jersey, it's like in the preseason when you're like, okay, new player yeah. on the team. I already got like five different Steph ones. I already got eight different Draymond Green ones. Here's a new player we got. Let's let's go out and buy some DMs. I think like Russell so, was bad. The team was bad when he was there. Like I don't know anybody who had like fond memories. I guess it's like when you wear the – you know Jimmy Butler like <laughs> Prince jersey or whatever the or no the right. statement green their day where it's just like sort of like it matches like whatever whatever the team's wearing or something that day I don't know but right. there had to be one or two with like you know seventeen eighteen thousand people in the building that's what I would figure like man I bought this jersey and you got traded half a year right. later and this is the one day no I can on bring it on back. Right, exactly. And there's no one on the team with a zero where I could put a piece of tape over the back of my jersey and have it say their name now or whatever. <laughs> um, also, also, I want to talk about Otto Porter Jr. Or just Otto Porter now. I know he doesn't have Jr. on the back of his jersey. But yeah. you cannot tell me that guy is not cosplaying as Wilt Chamberlain. Like, in the oh, Warriors jerseys, point. he has the exact haircut and mustache, and he looks just like Wilt Chamberlain, except, you know, smaller. But it's, it's crazy to see, like, Wilt Chamberlain running around with the 2021-2022 Warriors. Yeah. It's, yeah. He had to do it on purpose. Someone's got to give that guy uh, a piece of paper with the number 100 written on it. And also, Neil, you've gone to more games than me, but I imagine you've watched a few on Bally Sports, right? Oh, yeah. Is everybody else getting exposed to the SteveTheWindowGuy.com ads as much as I am? Maybe it's just like they know. I, I bought a house last year, so maybe they're being targeted toward me because I like replaced my roof and did some work, so maybe like <laughs> windows are next. But it's this, it's this ad where this guy is like, where are the deliver? Well, like one, it's a guy looking out the window, but the, the omniscient narrator voice is a woman, which I think is weird. Just have a guy read it because the, the only person in the ad is a guy looking out the window and goes, what is taking the groceries so long? And then the guy 
guy's looking through the window. He's looking for the groceries on the front step. And then it's revealed the groceries are out on the front step. He can't see because his windows are so dirty. And the ice cream is melting on the stoop. And uh, Steve, the windows guy dot com pulls up in his van and says something. And I'm getting it like two or three times every break <laughs> in the game. And I just I don't know. Am I the only one who's seeing this? I don't know. I mean, I feel like that is a common thing with with Bally of like, yeah, you're going to see the same ad a lot. But I, I think, yeah, I've been to a lot of the games, so I haven't been able to watch on TV. And then maybe I'm like watching on, you know, where the commercials get cut out or whatever, because I, I have never heard of the name of that company or that ad. So I've never seen it, but I don't think it's because I'm not getting served. it. I just haven't been able to watch the commercials, I haven't watched live in that kind of way yet. But I'll be looking forward to it. And let's uh, maybe yeah, our, our listeners, listeners can let us know. Listeners got to let us know, and then I think we can do, uh, maybe they can sponsor our show here eventually, Scott, hopefully. I love that. SteveTheWindowGuy.com. This was really just me telling you to sponsor Wolf's Cast. Yes. Anyone anyone can do it, even Steve the Window Guy, and uh, we'll hope to uh, get their support uh, eventually in this season. But uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Wolf's Cast. Despite the bad times, you're all right. You're always here, just every single time. So we appreciate that. Uh, please tell another Wolves fan in your life about this show, um, because uh, you know you need some. You need to keep it light. You need some some humor to uh, help uh, buffer some of this uh, losing and uh, sadness and darkness. So um, that's what we're trying to do over here, and uh, we like to do it with Canis Hoopus at our back. They got our back. You guys check out CanisHoopus.com. Great stuff every single week. And uh, our show uh, will be up there uh, for your listening enjoyment as well. So uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Wolves Cast after the Wolves rip off uh, three straight wins. It's going to be a good time. See you next week. Bye. Can't, can't wait. Like in the move there goes to the Eurostep. Ants are worldwide. And right now the Timberwolves and the Grizzlies all tied up.